Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 237 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again today, the guru of uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com. You want to know something about the minor league uh, players in the Cincinnati Reds organization? This is the guy you talk to. He's Doug Gray. How are you, Doug? I'm pretty good, Chad. How you doing today? Doing okay. Doing okay. It's uh, you know Thanksgiving is uh, is here, and uh, we're going to be posting this uh, podcast a few hours later than normal because of the holiday. But uh, not a whole lot to talk about in terms of the Reds. So let's just n- jump right into the only piece of news that we had this week, which is that the fact that the Reds announced that they've uh, signed a new what they called a salary agreement with uh, pitcher Razel Iglesias. And I guess it's really not a, an extension. Uh, you know, it's not a new contract. Um, it's a new salary agreement, I think, because it, basically what the Reds did is buy out the three years of his arbitration that they already had him uh, under team control for. So uh, 24, a little little bit over $24 million for to cover the th- final three seasons with the Reds. So um, any thoughts about that uh, that deal, Doug? I mean, the only thing that I really see as a benefit for the Reds is it just kind of gives them a better idea moving forward of exactly how much money they're going to pay. Um, I, from talking to some people, it doesn't seem like this really saved the Reds any money. Um, if he turned out to be the guy that we all expect him to be, it, it seems like he was going to get about $24 million. Right. So I, I'm not really sure where it benefits either the Reds just because – doesn't really seem like it's going to save him any money. Um, and then with Iglesias, I mean, I, I guess the benefit for him is, you know, he doesn't have to worry about an injury now. Um, yeah. If he gets hurt, he wasn't going to make as much money in arbitration. So now he doesn't have to really worry about that. I think you hit on the two big, uh, the, the only really uh, big uh, benefits to either party here. For the Reds, they've got some certainty anyway and what they're going to be paying going forward for this guy. Um, also, some certainty if they're looking to deal him, you know, um, it it's pro- may provide some certainty for a uh, a new a new team in trade negotiations for Iglesias. I think it's a you know pretty good chance he was going to earn that over the next three years anyway. But if he gets hurt, you know who knows. So it gives him some certainty. He knows he's got he's here's what we're we're going to be making the next three years. Uh, Twenty four million. That's uh, that's a pretty good payday. So um, but but he's I worth mean, it. He's a good player, and uh, I'm excited to have him in the fold. Uh, certainly, but he, I guess he was already in the fold. So, um, what was most interesting about the announcement was, uh, Dick Williams, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically said that, uh, the new pitching coach, Derek Johnson, the new manager, David Bell are going to be working with him this, uh, this off season and, and trying to develop what they're going to do in terms of his role with the Reds. And so now we're starting to get some of this sense that they might get a little creative, like we always hoped Brian Price would with Roselli Iglesias. And, and, you know, we saw what the, the, the Brewers did when Derek Johnson was a pitching coach there with Josh Hader. And, and uh, so, you know, you wonder, wow, can they get a look more creative with him? Can they get 100, 115 innings out of this guy next year? If so, oh, he's going to be worth that money probably. 
Yeah, you know, Steve wrote about that on, on RedLegNation.com earlier this week, just kind of how the Reds could, you know, benefit. Because Steve's been one of those guys who he's been very vocal that he felt that Rysel Iglesias was more valuable than his contract, and it would make sense if maybe the Reds were able to flip him. And that's, a reasonable, but, that's a reasonable position to take. Yes, it, it is. But Steve also said that because of those quotes, that if he's a guy that can start throwing more innings, even if it's just 100, maybe that changes the math quite a bit yeah. because of what he can bring to the table. Now, one of the other things that I thought about is because of the way the arbitration system works, maybe Rysel Iglesias wasn't as open to being used that way oh. because he knew he wouldn't get paid because as a closer or as a reliever, you only get really paid if you have saves. Get those saves, yeah. If you're going to be you know, a dominant middle reliever but you don't have saves, you don't make as much money as an okay closer, which doesn't make any sense. But because of the way the arbitration system is set up, that's how you get paid. Right. He, so, could, be, he could be used in high-leverage situations, be much more valuable to his team, but get paid less, be considered yeah. to be worth less. And and so maybe the Reds approached him like, hey, we would like to use you differently. Um, and his agent was kind of like, well, we're not really down with that because we know we're not going to get paid that way. And so that kind of came to this middle ground, like, we'll pay you that way if you're going to be if you'll be willing to work with us in terms of, hey, we want to throw you. 85, 100 innings, and we want to use you in a non-traditional closers role because it's going to be more beneficial to the team and help us win more, but maybe your guy's not going to get those that saves. And and so they kind of work together to get him his money, but it's going to be yeah. beneficial for the Reds too. That That's that's kind of the way that I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking that that's what makes the most sense for both sides. And kind of what they said kind of gives you an idea that maybe that's something that crossed their mind. That's a really interesting, uh, really interesting idea, and I haven't heard, you know, other than if we're just reading between the lines, uh, speculating a little bit. But, man, that makes all the sense in the world because, of course, he, you know, um, the, the Reds need that flexibility to use him whenever it benefits the Reds the most. And so getting anything out of the out of the way would, uh, in terms of being able to do that, would be fantastic. So I like it. Uh, I, just, I like the fact that they're talking about using him in, in a different way. I like the fact that they are um, open uh, – we heard these quotes from Brian Price before that he was going to do that as well, and he rarely did. So I'm getting I'm getting hopeful again, and that's the problem with this offseason so far. They've not really done a whole lot in terms of changing the the players on the roster, but they've done a good job of giving me a little bit more hope. You feeling that way? I, I am, and I mean I'm with you in the, in the same situation. You know, I feel like I've at least somewhat I've heard them talk a good game before, and haven't followed it up. But this offseason, it feels a little bit different because it's not just, you know, the manager saying we're going to do things a little bit differently. Like, and the front office hasn't come out and said, hey, we're going to do this, that, and the other. We're going to sign this guy. But the rumors have come out sure. that, you know, they're going after this guy, that guy. Like, they're interested. And they're, quote, unquote, interested in guys that they've never been interested in before in terms of that level of free agency or that level of guy on the trade market. And, I mean, if nothing else, it's good to hear those things. But it's also one of those things where if you hear it and then they don't come close to yeah. getting any of those guys, especially with the way things have gone uh, have gone the last couple of years, that's going to be a really bad look on, on the front office. It is, but uh, you know, I like the idea that we're at least uh, have reason to hope right now because they really are in on some of these guys. And after last season, I didn't have a whole lot of hope. They'd really dragged me down. And so, uh, you know, you're right. It's going to be bad if they don't uh, if they if it's just talk that they're just interested in these people and they don't land any of them. But fingers crossed here. 
Um, yeah, we, I mean, you know, if nothing else, it, it seems they, they've got a lot of interest in every aspect of things. It's not just free agency. It's not just trades. It's both. So there's a there's a lot of opportunity out there for them that if, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out with option A or B or C, it seems like they've still got D, E, and F that are good options out there for them. Yeah, they, they seem interested in really uh, trying to do something to improve the team, and that's really about all we can ask. Uh, speaking of hope, Doug Gray... Uh, you have this uh, site called RedsMinorLeagues.com. You know, you know of this site, right? Yes, I, I've heard of it once or twice. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, put a little bit of work into it. Just a little bit. Uh, do a fantastic job there, and, and every year I'm eager to see your top 25 prospects. And you have uh, just announced your top 25 list. Uh, you want to just before we dig, run through these top 25, counting them down. You want to just uh, preview what your list is and, and the, what you do to put these together and, and how it all comes down to these final 25 guys. Oh, goodness. I mean, it, it honestly, <laughs> it's, a it, it's a never it's a never ending thing because it's just all of the information. It goes back years on some of these guys. Um, I mean, starting back in, in March, I started traveling around the country to watch these guys play and it didn't stop until September. Uh, I put 9,700 miles on my car this year driving around to minor league games and Oh, tons and tons of video and pictures and talking to scouts and managers and coaches and anybody who knew anything. I was talking to them all throughout the year. Um, and, you know, it, it's just trying to take all of that information and, and make the best decisions along with, you know, what I'm hearing about guys, what I'm seeing that I like or don't like from guys and their stats and just kind of trying to mix it all together and make some sense of it. Um, I mean, I, I think I do a pretty good job compared to anybody else. Um, that, that does this, the national guys, I'm not really sure anybody else was doing the whole uh, just the Reds thing. But, um, yeah, I, I just kind of throw it all together. And, I mean, it, it, it's not something that I I take lightly. I, I, I spent two weeks of sorting through the information and rearranging this list uh, to, to get to my final 25. The fact of the matter is, for those of you that really, and I know all, uh, most of you, if not all, are familiar with Doug and his incredible site and all the work he puts into that, and we're talking hour after hour, full time, and no one outside of the Reds organization, and most within the Reds organization, but no one uh, outside the Reds organization puts as much time into following and uh, and evaluating the Reds minor league system. So this is this is the top twenty five list or the or the pros- Reds prospect list every year that I take to the bank that I that I appreciate more than any. So I, I want to dig into them. But I want to tell you how, how excited I was to talk to you about this prospect list, Doug. Uh, you may know that I'm a little bit of a partisan of the University of Virginia Cavaliers. I, I, I picked up on that once or twice. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little crazy about them. That's, uh, that's where I went to school, as those of you that are listening to the podcast know. And um, I turned off the uh, Virginia football game to, against their big rival to come talk to Doug about this. Well, I, I appreciate that, um, but I won't ask how the, how the game's going. Yeah, well, in general, turning off a Virginia football game is a pretty easy thing to do. <laughs> it's it's Virginia football. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just uh, – I hope they come back and win, but I just – I've seen them lose too many times to the Hokies, and uh, so I'd rather talk Reds baseball. Um, and so let's get back to the hope. These are the guys that we're hoping are going to help the Reds coming soon, and number 25 on the list, and we'll run through some of these pretty quickly until we get to the top 10 or so. But I do want to give you a chance to say anything you want to. And, and I was glad to see the, the guy. I'm not, you know, I don't follow the minor leagues nearly as closely as Doug. Clearly, as I just said, no one does. But number 25 on this is a guy that I saw a couple times this year uh, playing for the Greenville Reds uh, in Rookie League, Appalachian League. 
and really, you know, I don't know anything, but he stood out to me as, as a kid that looked like he could play. And it's uh, Jonathan Willems, a uh, 20-year-old second baseman. Uh, what can you tell us about Willems? I mean, very athletic kid. Uh, when, Like you said, when, when you watch him play, he, he stands out. Um, yeah, he really reason- just sort of jumped out. And I, I don't know what I mean by that, but he just sort of he looked like he was better than everybody else on the field. Oh. I mean, if the, the reason he's at 25 instead of much higher is uh, plate discipline. He, yeah. He's got... He's a very aggressive kind of hitter, doesn't walk much. Not that he strikes out a ton, but by comparison to his walks and strikeouts, they're not close right now, and he's going to have to do some work and and bring those closer together. Um, But, I mean, he's a guy that I really like athletically. Um, Wouldn't surprise me either way to kind of depending on, you know, how that plate discipline develops if, you know, he turns himself into into a real prospect that can be in the top ten or if he kind of falls by the wayside as he as he starts facing you know more advanced pitching, um, I mean maybe as early as next year. He's from Curacao or somewhere, isn't he? Where's is he from? Yes. Do you remember Curacao? Yeah. Uh, home of Andrew Jones, former Brave center fielder. Um, and Williams is just a, he's a he's a superb athlete and uh, looked like he was having fun out there when I watched him too. That's something that showed up. So number twenty five on the list. Now number twenty four. Here we're going to start getting into some guys that uh, I'm less familiar with, and I'm actually going to have to demand strict proof that some of these guys actually exist, Doug, because you know over the years I've accused you of just making up names. Yes, I've I've actually been accused of that by a few different people. Yeah, you just throw these names out because you know these minor league guys, and I'm like, that guy doesn't really exist. And number 24, I'm I'm not sure he really exists. He's a 20-year-old right-handed pitcher, you say, who was in Billings out in the uh, Rookie Pioneer League, James Marinon, Marinan? Marinan. Um Marinan. yeah, he he was one of the prospects that came over in one of the 17 trades the Reds made with the Dodgers in the last year right. or so. The Floro uh, Dylan Floro deal, did he come over in that one? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Um yeah, it was yeah, yeah he yeah, he uh, did up see here. Yeah. And uh I mean he he pitched well um in Billings. Um he had a 3.98 ERA which on the surface doesn't sound as good as you would think, but the Pioneer League is it's a very hitter friendly league. You know the stuff is better than the results right now. Um, he, he's going to have to work on his control, but everybody you talk to really, really likes the stuff. He's young guy, throws hard. He's got three pitches. Um, to just kind of need to do what most nineteen, twenty-year-old pitchers need to do, and just keep progressing. Potential to be a starter. Potential to be a starter. Yes. Uh, I. You know. I, I'm not going to say he's a huge upside number one, number two kind of guy, but I, I think that there's potential there to be a number three. Number four, if everything works out right for him in the long run. Number 23, another right-handed pitcher. And I'm going to have to – I'm having trouble recalling your list from last year. But this is a, a reliever that I think may have rated a lot higher on your list last year. Jimmy Herget, uh 25-year-old relief pitcher. Yeah, he was he was a little bit higher last year. Um, he wasn't throwing quite as hard this year as he was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, We're only talking like one or two miles an hour. But, you know, as a reliever – uh, that that makes a difference for me, um, you know, just because the, the limited amount of innings that relievers have, uh, especially non-starter relievers, I know the game's changing a little bit, um, and so, you know, you're, you might start to see some of these guys that go out there and they throw, you know, I mean, like we were talking about with Iglesias, you know, guys that throw 100 innings as a reliever, but usually those are going to be the guys that have the starters background and kind of built up to that. That's not really what Jimmy Herget is. Um, but, you know, he just got added to the Reds' 40-man roster, I was actually surprised that it took this long. I thought he was going to be up at some point this year. Yeah, me too. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that Jimmy's a guy who can he can come in and help potentially in next April. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if he if he won a job in spring training. Uh, more of a, a middle reliever than than a back end guy, but I, he's going to be ready, you know, as soon as 
you know, baseball starts next year. And, and I think there's some value in that. And I, I think that he's a safe big leaguer. Yeah, a guy that could be in the in the bullpen next year. And, you know, relievers are sort of fungible in some ways, but, but he's a guy that you could see uh, pitching and pitching well out of the bullpen, I think. And I have seen him play some for Louisville, so... Uh, number 22 is one of the most interesting names on your list. And I, I wondered where he would uh, land because I think he got off to a good start uh, but uh, and then tailed off. But it's a 21-year-old catcher, uh, Hendrik Clementina. Oh, let me say that again. Yeah. Hendrik Clementina. You do what you want to do, Chad. This, <laughs> this is your show. This is your show. Uh, but no, I, I really like Hendrick Clementina's bat. Um, there's so much power in there. He, he, you know, it's funny when the, when the year started, he was listed at six foot one sixty five, which is hilarious because he, he literally is six foot two sixty five. Yeah, uh, like he he is not. I mean, the, the the weight difference was hilarious when you saw him. You're like, well, that's not exactly what I was expecting to see. But no, he's a guy. He's got so much power. Um, the power is going to play. The question is, can he catch? Um, a, a lot of scouts are—they're just not sure that he can catch long term. Um, you know, they're, they're worried about the size. I mean, he's 21 years old right now, and he's already a really big guy. Hard to um, see him then making it if he can't catch. Am I right? And, and that—that's the concern because if he has to move off of catcher, the only other position they'll probably be able to play is first base. And at that point, you start to wonder. Yeah, the power might be there, but is the rest of the bat going to be there? And that, right. that's where you're not sure. Um, if, if I were more comfortable that he could catch, he would rank much higher. Um, I, it, like I said, depending on who you ask, you're going to get different opinions on whether he can catch or how, for how long he can catch. Um, Looks but like everybody, not. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was, everybody seems to be in agreement that right now he's not really, like he's not really close to being ready to be a major yeah. league catcher. But most 21-year-old catchers aren't. That's right. Uh, but there, there's a lot of things that he's got to work on to get to that point. Um, and as far as his peers go in terms of age group as a catcher, he's a little bit behind them still. Um, but I, I will say this. His teammates, coaches, people I've talked to, they, they all praise the work ethic and you know the, the, the leadership skills and how he handles pitchers. So that, that's very good to hear. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll just have to kind of wait and see on, on the actual – I, I, learning to catch part looks like okay plate discipline too. Am I am I wrong about that? Uh, it's it's hit and miss. Um, I, I there's there are times when you know I guess everybody gets locked in, but when he gets locked in, sometimes uh, he doesn't expand the zone at all. But you know, there there are other times where he gets really aggressive. Good breaking balls can kind of trick him a little bit. Uh, what did you say he's listed as in the? Uh... Well, he was, uh, when the year started, it was six foot one sixty five. One sixty five. 165. That's what I'm listed at, 165 in the uh, podcaster media guide. Oh, I don't want to see what I'm listed at. Number 21. Number 21, another guy. Played for Dayton uh, this year in low A. Guy I'm not really familiar with, uh, and you're going to have to pronounce his name for me. 22-year-old outfielder. Let's hear it. Uh, Andy Sahilio. Sahilio. Uh, he he was rated much higher uh, when the season began for me, too. And the, the year just didn't go well for him. In, in the second game of the year, he pulled his hamstring and it just held him back all year. He missed six weeks with it, and when he came back, he clearly wasn't healthy. Um, he was healthy enough to play, but you know, Sahilio is a guy who, when he's healthy, he rivals Billy Hamilton in speed. And wow. I, I'm not exa- I'm not exaggerating. That's not hyperbole. He's that fast. And when he came back, I mean, he was still fast, but 
it was clearly not the same kind of speed. Um, he he did he wasn't running smooth. Like I I could just see it, and it probably lasted an extra month and a half, two months after he came back off the disabled list. And his bat never really got going. I, I really like the tools. Um, I I just I I don't want to punish him and knock him off the list because I I think that the tools are there. Um, there there's still some work to. He's a switch hitter. I, I think that he. I don't want to say he reminds me of Billy Hamilton because I, I, there's more power there than Billy Hamilton has. But as a switch hitter, he's got zones in, from each side of the plate where he's good at, and other zones where he really needs to improve on. And like um, Hamilton, at some point you got to you got to put up numbers. Right. Um, he had but 308 I, 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 on base percentage this year. That's Hamilton esque. Yeah. I like I said though, I I think the speed or the the hamstring injury really held him back this year. I think he's going to do better next year. Obviously, we're going to have to see, but. I do think the injury held him back and kind of, you know, it it, it held back the numbers. I, I think that he's much better than he showed this year statistically. There are still some concerns, though, but I love the tools, and I, I just think that he's he's going to perform better than he did. On to the top 20, a guy that a lot of people thought would be top 10 as a prospect this year uh, at, at one point, Aristides Aquino, 20th. Yeah, I, I, I like the power. Uh, he the plate discipline really improved in the second half. Now, granted, he's going to be 25 years old next year, so you're kind of at that point where you know you've got to put up or shut up. And you know he he didn't put up at all in the first half. It was you know him repeating double A, and yeah, uh, he he did not perform well in the first half. Made some adjustments with the swing. I really liked it. The plate discipline really improved. The power's real. The arm is real. I think that the defense gets overrated by people because of the arm. Um, he's not the greatest defensive right fielder. Um, the, the arm will keep runners honest, though. Um, if, if what he showed in the second half can carry forward, you might have something. But should um, we be concerned that he struck out in every at-bat he had for the Reds this year? Yes. All, all of his at-bats ended in strikeouts. How many, yes. how many at-bats did he have there, Ken? All one of his at-bats. All one of, oh, man. Maybe, they, they should probably just DFA him. That's what I'm saying. No. Number 19, ACC guy. We just talked about the Atlantic Coast Conference. Stuart Fairchild, he went to Wake Forest, I believe, as I recall. Uh, is he still playing center field? 22-year-old outfielder, Stuart Fairchild. Uh, he, he's playing pretty much every, everywhere right now just yeah. because the, the Reds have a glut of, of center fielders, um, and, and they're good center fielders. Uh, so for the most part, they, they all kind of just move around left, right, center, depending on the arm. Um, and, and Stewart's one of those guys. I think that he can handle center field just fine. Um, so if you're looking at the stats and you see that he didn't play there all the time and wonder about his defense, he can play center field. He's just got a split time with guys like Taylor Trammell, Jose Siri, you know, guys like that. You have TJ Friedel, who we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the defense-based running is going to play well enough. Um, I've got a few concerns about the bat. Um, overall, as a center fielder who has a chance to hit, it, it's tough not to make an organizational top 25 list. Should we we be concerned that this is a, a college guy who was drafted in 2017? He's not made it past uh, single A yet. Um, not really. No. Um, I, I think that the Florida State League is just so tough on guys once the summer gets there. And he, I mean, he hit well early in the first half uh, with Dayton, and then struggled once he got promoted. We saw the same thing happen with T.J. Friedel last year, and then he returned to Daytona last, or this year, and he tore it up in the first half and. Uh, kept on hitting. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that happens with Fairchild. It, it seems that, you know, guys do that a lot. It, it, the Florida State League is unforgiving unless you're, 
you know, Ebon Dell is a bill and can hit the ball 7,000 feet. Ooh. So then, then, then the weather doesn't really affect you so much. That's what it takes. Uh, number 18, a guy that uh, a lot of Reds fans will be familiar with, Kerry Maya, who uh, came over in the uh, trade with Adam Duvall for, uh, for Michael Leak with San Francisco. And he was actually the centerpiece of that trade. He ranks, uh, he's checks in at 18th on your list. He had a rough Cincinnati debut this year, but, uh, but his minor league numbers uh, looked okay to me. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing for me that I, I saw with Kiri Mayo this year is he started throwing hard again. Um, I mean, that, he was a guy good. who. You should try to throw hard. Yeah, I mean, he, generally speaking, yes. You, you should try and throw hard, especially if you can throw strikes while throwing that hard. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, last year he was 91 to 94. You know, he touched 95, 96. This year he was sitting 93 to 95, 96, touching higher. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a big improvement. I think that's one of the reasons we saw his strikeout rate tick up. Um, I, I'm not still sure that he's going to be a starter which is kind of where he's at right now yeah. but if you put that guy in the bullpen i i really do think that you know his, his fastball breaking ball combo could work really well that stuff plays um, up out of the pen yeah, yeah and i i think that you know that that's a guy who could be a setup guy so um, what so. about this is he gonna i know you have uh, your uh objections and they're well-founded objections to the wins above replacement but who's gonna have more uh wins above replacement in his career maya or adam duvall who he was traded with I'll take Duvall just because he's got a big head start. Yeah, yeah, I think probably so. But uh, if they, if Maya can get anywhere close, especially if it comes with the Reds, it'll help. It will. <laughs> um, and the Reds will have won that trade. Oh, I think they've already won that I trade. Do too. Now, you just mentioned T.J. Friedel, and this is one of my favorite guys, 23-year-old outfielder, because this is the guy that the Reds got. You may remember he was undrafted in 2016. And when I say you may remember, I'm talking to the listener, our loyal listeners of Red Leg Nation Radio. Not to you, Doug, because I know you remember everything about these guys. <laughs> But uh, the Reds got him because uh, of a sort of a snafu in paperwork or something after the draft, and they realized he was a free agent. And the Reds snapped him right up. Yeah, the 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 Reds kind of—I mean, I don't want to say they lucked out, but they kind of did kinda luck did, out. Yeah. Um, the, the reason that they got T.J. Friedel is because they just had more money to spend than everybody else because of where they were in the draft that year. And it's not that the Reds didn't spend all of their money. They did. It's just because they had a larger pool than everybody else. They were allowed to go over and just pay a bigger penalty than everybody else. So being the smart person that he is, T.J. Friedel and his agent were like, yeah, we're going to take the biggest paycheck that we can get. And the Reds were able to offer the biggest one. Yeah, so the most available. He, he, he signed with the Reds. Um, you know, the, the big thing that T.J. did this year is he started hitting left-handed pitching. That's kind of He's a lefty, and you know sometimes it takes time for lefties to – figure out how to hit lefties because in high school and college you don't exactly see pro level left-handed pitching and so when you start seeing that it's it's just a different kind of thing um he figured that out this year at least at the minor league level um and his numbers across the board went up you know he's a guy who you know he's he can handle center field just fine doesn't always play there in the minor leagues but again it's just because he's splitting time with all these other quality center fielders now, you also had a piece about Friedel at uh, RedLegNation.com here recently. You just briefly want to talk about what that was about? He bunts very, very, very well. We, and we love bunts here at Red Leg Nation Radio. Oh, man. He, 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 his, his successful bunt rate is among, if, if you were to just push it forward into the major leagues, it's among the highest success rates in all of baseball. But he also bunts more than all of those guys do also. So he's not only bunting a lot, He's bunting very, very successfully while doing it a lot. So, I don't. It, it, it was one of my one of my favorite pieces to write. So, if you haven't read it yet, please go read it. It, it was really fun. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, great piece. Uh, and if those are, if some of you out there are getting annoyed at my phone buzzing, I've removed it from the table. Evidently, Virginia took the lead in that football game, and so I'm getting uh, 
lots of texts about it, so I have to explain <laughs> that I didn't watch the game. There's still plenty of time for them to blow the game, though. Four minutes. Don't don't talk don't talk like that, Chad. They're gonna they're gonna win. <laughs> no, <laughs> buddy. Have you ever watched the Virginia athletic event? Uh, not the football event, no. Well, uh, Virginia basketball would never break my heart. I know, but football. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number sixteen, another guy that I watched in uh, Greenville, uh, Reds rookie league. Shortstop, and I'm telling you, this is another guy that uh, his bat didn't impress me that much. When the games that I saw him there, but Miguel Hernandez, shortstop, really looked smooth. Made some errors, but still looked a ton of range. Looked really smooth to me. Yeah, and that's the thing that really stands out with Hernandez. Everybody seems to think he's an above average. De- uh, I know words. He's a <laughs> he's an above average defender. Uh, some some are going to go on record and say that he's a plus defender. Uh, you know, teenage shortstop still has some work to do in every aspect of his game. Sure. Uh, I like his bat a little bit more than some other people do. Um, I, I think there's some adjustments he needs to make. The big question for me is, is he going to be able to hit more than 10 home runs? If he can, you're talking about a guy who may be an average hitting shortstop and above average defender. If not, then you're kind of going to be wondering, is he going to hit enough to start? Or you know, are they going to just be willing to sacrifice some of the offense because he's such a good defender? Yeah, be interesting to see those guys. Some of those guys you don't know, but uh, he did have a decent year at uh, Greenville with the bat. But again, we're talking small sample size, and I wasn't impressed in my small uh, sample size that I saw him. All right, we're going to move now into the top fifteen, and this is a guy that I haven't watched, but another shortstop, young shortstop, Jose Garcia. Tell me about him. I mean, he struggled this year, Chad. If we're going to be perfectly honest, he he really struggled this year. He hit well over the last seven weeks or so of the season, but still ranked fifteenth um, on your list. Still ranked fifteenth. Very, very good tools. I, I really like the swing. He's an absolute surefire defensive shortstop with a sh- very, very strong arm. Uh, one, one of the better arms I've, I've seen come out of the red system from an infielder. Um, I, it, it, it stands out. It really does. Um, but he's another one of those guys that the, the plate discipline is going to be something he really has to work on. I don't think that it's as bad as the numbers say it was. I, I think that he just got off to a slow start, and he just let it build and compound on itself. Um, but uh, there's a lot of room to improve with the bat still. You know, um, like but, a lot of guys outside the top ten on these lists, and every single year you're talking about guys that there's, there's a ceiling there, but there's some flaws that they've got to correct if they want to take that, that leap. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're saying about Garcia. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk about pure upside, he'd be in the top ten. But, you know, he, he's got some warts on his resume that he's got to kind of figure out. And so that's that's why he's at 15. Right. Number 14 is an 18-year-old drafted in the second round this year, Lion Richardson, and uh, did not get the chance to watch him pitch, I don't believe, for Greenville this year. I don't remember it, uh, which is probably fortunate because he was 0-5 with a 7.14 ERA. Uh, But, you know, we're talking uh, a small sample size, second-round pick this year out of high school. Um, What can you tell us about Richardson? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the numbers. They they were not good. Um, it, it, It just... Everybody seemed to think that he was tired and worn down, um, and, and that just kind of came into, you know, it, it carried onto the field when he took it, when he took the mound, and the, the numbers just weren't there. Everybody seems to be convinced that the stuff is better than it showed this year. Um, I, until I see otherwise, I'm just going to put my faith in the scouts right. that saw him. Both, and I'm, I'm not even talking about red scouts. I talked to several scouts during the season um, who who saw him when he was in high school, and they they pretty much to a T said. You know, he looks like he's tired. We're not concerned. And so I, I, I'm i just going to take their word for it because he threw a handful of innings this year. He's just 18 years old. They gave him all that money as a second-round draft pick for a reason. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and, and again, it wasn't. No one was thinking the Reds were taking a reach there. It was a. He's a legit uh, player for a second rounder. Now the next guy was a fourth rounder. We're talking about Mike Ciani. He's number thirteen on the list. A nineteen-year-old the Reds drafted this year in the fourth round. But uh, there was some talk that he was um, would have been drafted much higher, except that uh, there's some thought he was going to go to college, right? Yeah, I, I I think that that's the reason he fell a little bit. And now wait a minute, uh, where was he going to go to college? Where had he committed to college? Do you know? I, I was it Virginia Tech. <laughs> Dude, get uh, out of here with that. <laughs> it's the uh, University uh, of Virginia uh, at Charlottesville, uh, Thomas Jefferson's uh, University. Anyway, yeah, uh, the Reds uh, stole uh, him away, uh, and I'm glad. I, I had to, Chad. I'm no, sorry. I appreciate that. The last guy that I remember the Reds stealing away from a, a Virginia commit was uh, Devin Mezzarocco. So uh, I hope Siani has uh, makes at least one All Star team for the Reds. How about that? I'll take it. Um, but no, you know, Mike Siani is a guy. I mean, they 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 gave him two million dollars to sign in the fourth round, well over slot. Outstanding defensive center fielder. Uh, just, I mean, he's he's very good. He's not. I mean, I'm not. He's not slow. So don't take this the wrong way. He's not the fastest guy in the, in the system. But my goodness, he gets so good reads, and his routes are almost perfect in center field. He's mm-hmm. he's he's very very good defensively. Uh, he hit pretty well this year. I, I'm I'm not sure how much power he's going to hit for in the future. Um, I I don't think there's a ton there. He's not a big guy. Um, he's got some bad speed, but it's not you know blow you away bad speed that you know can make up for the power. Um, but you know defensive center fielder, he's going to steal some bases. Chance he can hit. I, I I like what I see. Yeah, he's the he could be the real deal, definitely. Uh, number twelve, Josiah Gray, twenty year old right handed pitcher, also drafted this year, second round guy. And I believe, if I'm not remembering this incorrectly, I think Josiah Gray pitched the at the Greenville game that you and I attended together, right? Uh, yes, yes. How come you did. ignored me that day and wouldn't even talk to me? What was that all about? Uh, I was trying to watch my relative pitch. Oh, yes. we we are, we are we are totally not related. Just in case anybody you didn't look identical, but I guess you're not. You're not. He's he's in much better shape than I am these days. I'll, I'll uh, say that much. He looked good that day, though, didn't he? He looked good every day. Yeah, uh, yeah he's he, good. he he dominated the Appalachian League this year. Um, and this is out of a small college, right? That's, yeah, he went to Lemoyne Lemoyne College, who I didn't know existed until they drafted Josiah Gray. Um, but you know, he, he's a guy, he's got some upside. He's, he's new to pitching. Um, he, before this year he had thrown, I believe it was 19 innings in college. Wow. Um, and then they decided in the second round. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they, they put him on the, on the mound as a starter this year and he just dominated. Um, and then the Reds drafted him and he just continued to dominate. Now his fastball is clearly ahead of his, his change up and his breaking ball at this point. Uh, that's not to be unexpected given, you know, sure, the, yeah. a year and a half ago, he was a shortstop. But um, the, the strides that he's made are very, very impressive. Really athletic guy. Uh, you you can dream on him. You can. I, I think that, you know, he's probably going to take a little bit longer than your typical college starting pitcher in the second round would take just because he's behind the rest of those guys in terms of development. Um, but everything that you want to see from him, it's there. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm going to be watching just because uh, I, I feel like some I have some ownership since I got to watch him pitch. You know? <laughs> there you go. And Mario Bautista, 21-year-old outfielder uh, for Billings, another uh, rookie league guy, number 11. Tell me about Mario Bautista. Oh, it was really difficult to keep him out of the top 10. I really, really like this kid. He's six foot three, 180, 185 pounds. Um, he can run. He can throw. He can hit. He can hit for power. 
he doesn't strike out, Chad. He's Ooh. a center fielder who has power who doesn't strike out. I mean, now is he a guy that can stick in center field? He is. Wow. Um, and I mean, it, it's it, it's tough to keep him out of the top ten, but I'll tell you what kept him out of the top ten. He was 21 years old and he played in Billings. Yeah. Um, that that's really the only thing he ju- he just hasn't gotten to full season ball yet, and I, you can dream on the tools and the production has been there, but you kind of want to see it against more advanced guys. Um, but I I think that right now he's the guy to really keep an eye on for next year. Uh, I, I think that he could be one of those guys that really breaks out. Well, why was he not in Dayton this year? <laughs> I don't have that answer for you. Um, I, I think that the Reds just kind of wanted to get him a taste of, um, I don't, more yeah. more advanced pitching, but not something that would overwhelm him. I guess, but they, it, seems, it seems like it's a guy they need to be aggressive with uh, going forward. I mean, if, if he if they bump him up next year, start him in Daytona or wherever, um, and if he shows that he can handle it. Let's get aggressive a little bit because he is, you're right, he is 21. Uh, shall we go to the top 10? We shall. Oh, wow. So you didn't stop after 11. You, you kept on going into the top 10. I did. I, uh, I'm i crazy like that, Chad. You, well, you're crazy. There's no doubt about that. Number 10, 23-year-old right-handed pitcher. Pitched with uh, Pensacola, double-A Pensacola, this past year by the name of Vladimir Gutierrez. Yep. He's another one of those guys that he got out to a really rough start this year, finished very strong. Um, what I really like with Gutierrez, he pounds the strike zone with four different pitches. You know, he's fastball, changeup, slider, curveball. Um, slider's better than the curveball. Um, slider's better than the changeup. Changeup's better than the curveball. I get a little concerned about his fastball. I'm, I'm not sure that it's enough to be more than, say, an, uh, an okay number three or a good number four. But he's close, and he throws a lot of strikes. I like that. Um, and if nothing else, I think the stuff will play up out of the bullpen, and he could be a guy who you know, could profile similarly to Rysel Iglesias. Uh, there, there's, there, there's a lot of things that those two guys do that, that you, you can kind of see it. Um, and so I, you, know, you hedge your bet that he winds up in, in the bullpen, uh, but there's still a, a decent chance he winds up as a solid starter. Number nine. One of the best names in the uh, in the Reds organization, middle infielder, twenty years old, drafted last year, two thousand seventeen, in the first round. Jeter Downs, everybody's cheering for Jeter Downs because man, what a that guy's going to be a fan favorite if he makes it to the major league, just on the basis of that name. Yeah, his he he was definitely named after Derek Jeter, just in case anybody had any questions about that one. And, um, but can he play shortstop? Uh, that depends on who you ask. Yeah, uh, he he looks a lot better at second base to me. Uh, there there are still some people out there that think he could play shortstop. Although a majority of people I talk to, eh, they're leaning towards second base. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, shortstop would be better. Um, but it, it seems that more and more people you talk to, they think he's going to wind up at second base. Um, but you know, nothing wrong with that. I I think he's going to hit. Um, I think for a middle infielder, there's going to be some power there. Uh, it's all to the pool side, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, just the overall game is good. I mean, he stole 37 bases this year. I mean, he, he's going to provide value in, in multiple aspects of the game. So uh, Virginia Tech uh, scored to uh, tie the game with uh, less than two minutes left. So they left time for Virginia to go downfield and kick a game-winning field goal with no time left. Have you watched Virginia? It, I'm trying to help you, Chad. Let me explain to you what happens with Virginia. What happened in this game, evidently, I'm just reading it here. 
evidently they it was thirty one to thirty after the touchdown. They kicked the extra point and Virginia blocked it. Yay! Yeah, they were offsides, <laughs> so uh, they got to <laughs> of do it again. They were. <laughs> That's exactly what happens to Virginia. Mm. Number eight's a guy that a lot of people are familiar with uh, amongst our listeners, anyway, um, and listeners to other podcasts. As if we should even pretend that there are other podcasts. I've uh, never even heard of another podcast. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, well, this guy's name is Shed Long. Ah, uh, yes, Shed. I, I like Shed. Um, you know, he's another one of these second basemen that the Reds have in the organization. That, and I, I just, I, I'm not sure what the Reds are going to do with Shed Long because he only plays second base. And they haven't tried to play him anywhere else. Yes, that's my question. And you know, I, I in, in a vacuum, Shed Long's a starting second baseman in the major leagues. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, maybe not today, but. A year from now, I think Shed Long is going to be good enough to be a quality starting second baseman in the major leagues. The Reds have guys like that can do, play that position, though. Yeah, so I, I don't know where he fits in with the Reds, unfortunately. Why did he uh, not play 30 games in center field this year? Just to see. I, I know that this is a podcast and not a video something, but I'm literally shrugging my arms right now. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. And it's not even just center field, like you said, which might be something that I would, I would consider, you know, sheds, sheds a fast guy. I'm not sure. Um, until you see a guy out there, if that speed translates because of, yeah. you know, just the way you've got to turn your body and get going, things like that. You have to see that in action. But, but you know, what? Wait, wait, wait. we still don't know because they right. didn't try it. Right. They didn't try it anywhere else. Like whether it was, you know, left field or right field. I don't think right field would work. I'm not sure the arm's strong enough there. But you think uh, left? You think left field he could play there? But, but sure, he's athletic. He's definitely fast enough. He's got an arm that's good enough for that. Left field doesn't. You don't need that much of an arm, anyways. His arm's definitely strong enough for left. And they didn't try to play him anywhere else. So I, I, I don't understand what they were doing with Shed Long this year, given that you know they've got. I mean, think about it. when they started the season. Nick Senzel was playing second base. Right. Scooter Jeanette playing second base. Like yeah. the, when you've got somebody like Shed Long. And you know there there is a possible other option for him to play somewhere. You got to try it out, and they just didn't. I don't, I don't understand. It's not like they didn't know that it was blocked ahead of. Right. Him. I mean, they literally took the best player they've had since Jay Bruce, and said, "Hey, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna play second base now." Right. Like yeah, they, so. they they literally went out of their way to block him. Right. And so and and it seems like they didn't even think that sort of next level thinking of what what do we do with Shed? Because he's a legit yeah. player. He is, and you know, uh, we always talk about these players like they're going to help the Reds on on the field at Great American Ballpark, and that's not always the case. Exactly, some of these, there you some go. Of these guys are going to be traded, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say you know Shed Long is trade bait, but I mean, sure, maybe maybe, maybe he is. I mean, I mean, that's that that's one that's one of the reasons you have a farm system. It's not always about hey, this guy's going to do this for the Cincinnati Reds. Sometimes it's this guy's going to be traded so we can acquire whatever else we need for the Cincinnati Reds. Right. And we we like Long and would love for him to be a Red for the next 15 years, but if he brings yeah. another player to the Reds, that's good too. Yeah, and you know, we'll we'll talk about it with Nick Senzel when we get there. Uh, there's a chance that Nick Senzel isn't playing second base next year. And if that's the case, and the Reds don't extend Scooter Jeanette, there's second base wide open for you. I also think they should have given him 100 plate appearances in AAA. Am I wrong about that? I, I mean, I wouldn't have seen a problem with it. Yeah. Oh, well. Number seven. Number seven. Jose Alexa, 23-year-old uh, center fielder, for uh, played for Dayton and Pensacola this year. I see what you did there, Chad. Jose Siri is one of my favorite guys to watch play baseball. In you my talk league. about you've been talking about Siri this last week a lot. Uh, he's he is so fun to watch, but he can also be incredibly frustrating for people to watch too. 
I, I talk to a lot of scouts who they, they don't like watching Jose Siri play because he's one of those guys, he will wear his emotion on his sleeve. When he's struggling, you see it on the field. When he's feeling it, boy, can you see it on the field. Yeah. Um, he, he plays with that fire, and when it's going well, it's it's so fun to watch. Um, but, I mean, you want to talk about tools. Jose Siri's got the best tools of anybody in the organization. And I, I'm big leaguers, minor leaguers, whatever. And it's not close. He's just about as fast as Billy Hamilton. He can hit 30 home runs. He can play the best defensive center field this side of Billy Hamilton in the organization. I mean, it's <laughs> there, there's a lot to like there. Um, but there's some concerns. He struck out 32% of the time he stepped to the plate this year in double-A. But, but that's a lot. That's a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, that's a lot of strikeouts. But uh, but he also walked the highest he's ever walked before this year too. And I, I think that there's a reason that both the walks and the strikeouts were up. I, I really do believe that whether it was Jose Series' idea, the coaching staff's idea, something they kind of came up with together. Um, he what seemed painfully obvious to me was taking pitches just to take pitches at times this year. Trying to learn the strike zone. Yes, and. You know, I, I think that in the long run, that that could be very beneficial for him. And what I see from from Siri, uh, unlike you know, we complain on this podcast all the time about how the Reds pitchers never seem to improve after a certain point. This is a guy that looks like he's getting better. I mean, it looks like he's really over the last couple of years has uh, really improved. Yeah, well, I mean, I, when I saw him two years ago in spring training, he looked just he was a completely different player when it comes to understanding the strike zone and reading the spin on the baseball. Now, I, I, I'll i be 100% honest, the slider can still give him fits sometimes. But he's he's come so far in the last year and a half. I mean, even on the slider, he's come so far. I, 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 I don't want to say that I'm very confident that he's going to figure it out, but I'm, I'm sort of confident he's going to figure it out. Now, I don't know if it's going to be in a year or two, but I think at some point, in the next couple of years, you're going to see that from Jose Siri. Whether you know, it would not surprise me at all if he kind of went Javier Baez and kind of had those ups and downs and struggles, while you know, playing you know 400, 450 or plate appearances a year for the Reds for a couple of years, and then just puts up one of those monster seasons. That that's that's the kind of guy that I can see Jose Siri becoming. I could take that. So no, number six, my maybe my favorite prospect in the Reds minor league system uh, for a lot of reasons. Tyler Stevenson, he's 22-year-old catcher. First-round pick, you may remember, way back in 2015, and it just has been snake bit when it comes to injury. But this is a guy, when he's been on the field, he has shown why he was the first-round draft pick. Am I right? You are, and you know, you mentioned the injuries, and I think that this year, the biggest thing, the most important thing that Tyler Stevenson did Will stay on the field. Yeah, he, he did playing. not. He right. he did not get hurt this year, and he made it the whole season. And don't get me wrong, he he showed him real improvements on the field, both offensively and defensively. But just being able to stay on the field for the whole year, I, that was far more important. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you, you'll, you'll still talk to a scout or two that thinks you know he he might be too big to be a catcher. I don't agree with that. I I think that don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a big guy. You see, six foot four, two hundred twenty five pounds. He's not a small guy, but and probably not a Gold Glover, but a guy you think could stick at a catcher. Yes, I, he 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 keeps showing improvements back there. He's athletic behind the plate. I think there's still some things he needs to work on. Um, he's got a very very strong arm, but he doesn't always get to use it as well because his footwork. Uh, it, it, it's not 
always consistent. Um, but uh, again, it, he's one of the, the pieces are there for the catcher. Um, I, I think that he just needs reps. I, the bat's going to play. Um, I think the bat could play if he has to move off of catcher. Um, but I, I don't think that that's a, a concern for, for quite a while. Uh, obviously, at some point, you always have to wonder with any catcher, do they have to stop catching because it sure. just beats you up. But um, you know, next 10 years, I don't really see that being an issue with Tyler Stevenson. I, I think that you know he's going to be able to stick back there. You're not going to confuse him with Pud Rodriguez or anything. He, he's not going to be that kind of defender. But I think he's got a guy that can play there you know, 120, 125 times a year. Above average power potential. And, and what I see is, uh, looks like great walk rate. Yeah, I mean, you know, generally speaking, catchers have good plate discipline because they, they just see so many pitches, not even as a hitter. They so zone, yeah. they, they, they get the strike zone. They understand, hey, this is a slider because they, they catch sliders all day. So it, it, it's strange when you see a catcher who doesn't have good plate discipline. I'm terribly excited to move into the top five, Doug. I mean, I'm, I'm shaking with excitement right now. Well, that's I'm not going to lie to you. That's, that's a little weird, but hey, if it makes you happy, you be you, be you man. I'm nothing if not weird. Number five <laughs> on the Doug Gray, RedsMinorLeagues.com, the only prospect list you need to uh, read or, or listen to when it comes to the podcast. Number five, Jonathan India. He was this year's first-round draft pick out of the University of Florida. Not an ACC team, but... Uh, Started out uh, the year with Florida, played all the way into the College World Series, and then played for three different teams in the Reds minor league system this year. And uh, there's no reason not to believe this guy doesn't have all the uh, – I guess his ceiling is way up there. Am I right? I think so. Um, I, I really like the power. He can he can do damage to all parts of the field. Um, he's a very athletic guy defensively. Um, yeah. I saw him play shortstop once. I, I, I liked enough of it to say we should look at it some more. I, I talked to some people that saw him play shortstop um, in an instructional league. They weren't they weren't too confident that he could do that. But it seems everybody thinks second base, third base. Um, if for whatever strange reason he can't play those in the major leagues because he block either one of the corner outfield spots will be just fine for him. Um, because he's got so, crazy power. Uh, yeah, the the power the power is going to play. It's the, I, I I don't I don't doubt that for for a second. Um, it, you know he he can play anywhere that's not shortstop on on the the defensive spectrum. That's not a uh, that's so. not a criticism either. No, it, it it's really not. Shortstop is it's, it's a very tough. tough place to play. Yeah, that's that's why you don't have to hit much if you're a shortstop. But I see a guy like him and a guy like that we're going to talk about here in a little bit and see that power and the plate discipline and think, man, if he could stick at second base, that's a valuable player. It is now. I, I the the one concern that I have with Jonathan India, and it's not a huge concern, um, is, is the strikeouts. I, I think that he's going to have some swing and miss to his game, and so that makes me think that you know he's going to be more of a two sixty hitter than a two eighty five hitter. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Absolutely nothing wrong with that because that two sixty is going to come with plenty of walks and plenty of power and good defense wherever he winds up. So maybe a corner outfielder and a valuable a valuable player. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it was a good pick for the Reds, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It looks to me like, uh, Doug, uh, the Hokies and the Cavaliers are going to overtime. Can you believe I'm missing this game to talk to you about <sighs> Reds' prospects? I really can't. I, I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> Buddy, I've watched Virginia football for 20 years. I don't have any interest in watching that mess. They're going to lose this game as sure as my name is Doug Gray. Number four, this is a guy that I love. This is a guy that I have been saying – 
needs to be in the mix to be in the starting rotation for the Cincinnati Reds on opening day next year. Tony Santillan, 21-year-old right-hander who pitched in uh, Daytona and Pensacola this year. Love this guy. Talk to me, me about Tony Santillan. Me, me too, Chad. I He, in my opinion, is the most underrated Reds prospect we've had in quite a while in the organization. Uh, I look at what Tony Santillan did this year, stats-wise. I look at his stuff, and the fact that I don't want to throw Baseball America under the bus. I, they do great work there. I, I'm, I, I really like a lot of the guys that work there. I think that they do a very good job. The fact that they've got him rated like 96th overall on their top 100 list is mind-boggling to me. He's a top 50 prospect in my mind, and I, I can't understand how he's not in other other places. It does not make sense. He's a guy who he didn't walk anybody this year. He had a borderline elite walk rate. He's a guy that throws 95. Four to 96 miles an hour, he'll touch 100. He's got a potentially plus slider, potentially plus changeup, and he performed a double A. I, I don't. I, what else do you want from a guy? I just don't get it. Yeah, that's a guy. That's a guy who was a, a pretty good prospect, and then all of a sudden he stopped walking people. Yeah, I mean he's got. I mean, short of Hunter Green, he's got the best stuff in the farm system by far. Like nobody else is close, and he performed. I, I don't. I don't know. I. I think that he's the most underrated guy in the entire system, which says a lot because I've got him at number four. And I, I, I don't know if if you're looking at national rankings and wondering, like, oh well, he's you know, I, I say only 96. Like that's some sort of insult that you're one of the best 100 players in minor league baseball. Right. But I, I, I think that he's criminally underrated on on the national rankings. I think that he's far better than they're giving him credit for. Number three, a guy that everyone here is. Uh... Knows about because we talk about him uh, every other week when talking about possible guys that you could trade, but also a guy that could provide real value to the Reds on the field uh, eventually. Taylor Trammell, 21 year old outfielder. I'm hopeful he'll be able to stick in center field. Most people, I think, including you, I'll let you say, have doubts whether he can uh, play center field defense, but uh, just a sort of a high school football player that starting to look an awful lot like a baseball player. Well, I'll start off with this. I am one of the guys that totally believes Taylor Trammell can play center field. Oh, you do think that? Ah. I absolutely do. Excellent. Now, and I think that everybody else does too, but when you hear people say that they're not sure if he can play center field, it's more because of his arm. Ah. Uh, he does not have a good arm. And I just always come back to the fact that if Johnny Damon was allowed to play center field, Taylor Trammell can play <laughs> center field. Like Johnny Damon couldn't throw a baseball 100 feet. Now, Taylor Trammell does not have a good arm. He's freaking Roberto Clemente compared to Johnny Damon. Okay, <laughs> like it's Taylor Schmell's arm is not that bad by comparison. It, it's a below average arm. Don't get me wrong. You don't ever want to see him out in right field. But the main thing for a center fielder is to catch the baseball. He's got the speed and the range to do that. I, I, it just it doesn't make sense to me when people say, oh well, you know maybe the arm will limit him to left field. Sure, if you're worried about you know saving you know two bases a week. Because of somebody that was already on base, sure, move him. I'll take the extra three outs that he catches and records. Like, right. I, I, the, the the math of the of the arm versus the defense doesn't make sense to me there. So, I, I'm totally convinced that Taylor Tunnell is a center fielder. Now, whether somebody else gives him that opportunity or not, I don't know. Um, I, I think that you know there's a chance that Jose Siri gets to the major leagues before he does, and if he does and he's starting, I don't think Taylor Tunnell is going to take center field from him. Because series, he's just a better defender, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just, Jose series a plus C defensive center fielder. He's got a better arm. Yeah, what but, I like about Tremel, the reason I think he can be a big time center fielder in the big leagues, is this: this year, 
Tramiel won the Most Valuable Player Award at the MLB All-Star Futures game. Now, let me tell you this. Joe DiMaggio, Willie Mays, King Griffey Jr., none of those won the uh, Futures game MVP. And they were good center fielders. I can confirm that. So that's why I think Taylor Tramiel has a chance. You know, uh, you make a very valid argument. <laughs> no, I like, don't. Uh, oh, what, should, should I not tell him that the Futures game didn't start till 99? Yeah, don't, don't mention that. Okay. Number okay. two. And number one and two, no one's going to be too surprised about this, but uh, number two with a bullet, 19-year-old right-handed pitcher, Hunter Green, my buddy, Hunter Green, who uh, his season ended early with uh, the dreaded Tommy John surgery, but uh, supposedly he's recovering well and will be ready to go. Well, he actually didn't have Tommy John surgery. Oh, he so, oh, that's right. They so, avoided so, it. They tried to rehab it. That's right. They did. Yes, he he did tear his UCL. Um but it wasn't a very significant tear, and so they went the treat, treatment route. Now, they didn't get, specify what exactly the treatment was other than you know, building up muscle and all of that. But uh, you know, we're at a point right now where, first off, medicine's awesome. It's, it's great to be alive today rather than 100 years ago. Um, and, I, again, I, they, the Reds have not specified what treatments that Hunter Green got. But, you know guy like Michael Lorenzen, Anthony Scafani, they got these injections, and they they also had torn UCLs, and they never had to get Tommy John surgery. Hunter Green came out a couple of weeks ago and said that he was healed 100%. Ah, nice. And, I mean, the fact that we can do that now is incredible. Um, and so, I, when you look at what Hunter Green can do on the mound, I mean, he, there just aren't guys like that, Chad. I mean, I, I, I think I saw six starts in person this year and then i watched the rest of them online when he was on the road and i mean he i think only one start he didn't sit at 98 or higher Uh, he's got he's got a devastating slider a really good change up that only seems not as good just because of how good the other two pitches are Uh, he he got out to a, a rough start the first five starts of the season did not go well for him the next 11, he absolutely dominated the Midwest League as the youngest starting pitcher in the league. Um, I think that if he can stay healthy, he's a guy who can move very, very fast. Um, I mean, there's, there's going to be things he's got to work on because, again, he's an 18-, 19-year-old pitcher. But you, you can't teach that kind of stuff. And just the the amount of quick improvements he can make, uh, it, you, you, you don't see guys like that. He's so athletic. That the adjustments, I don't want to say they come easy to him because I'm, I'm sure he works his butt off to make them, but they seem easy for him to make. And he's ranked number two on this list, but I think it's safe to say that his ceiling is higher than anyone on this list, right? Uh, yes, uh, with, without without a doubt. Yeah. And th- that says a lot given what I feel about the guy that's ranked number one. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and can I just say this? Hunter Green got hurt this year. I hope he never gets hurt again. I'm rooting for his uh, complete uh, good health. For the rest of his career, can I just can I just mention that? You can, like I said earlier, this is your show, Chad. You can do what you want. First uh, possession of overtime, Virginia Tech kicked a field goal. They're up thirty-four, thirty-one. Oh boy! Are you nervous, Doug Gray? I'm nervous for you. Oh, don't worry, I don't care. I know they're going to lose. Number one on the Reds minor leagues, Doug Gray top twenty-five prospect list for the Cincinnati Reds, Nick Senzel. That's not possible. He can't be number one on your list because he made his debut with the Reds last April and played all season with Cincinnati, right? Oh, that is not what happened, Chad. Wait, I'm pretty sure I'm I remember s- that. 
I'm sorry, Chad. That that's that's what you wanted to happen. That's not what actually happened. A single tear is drifting mm. down my cheek right now. Oh, but let's let's talk about the good things yes, with Nick Senzel. Uh, I, I there's not a weakness in his game. I I think that he is go- very good at almost everything. And uh, you know the the only questions that really exist with Nick Senzel is where is he going to play? Uh, you know the Reds played him at second base. They played him at third base. Um, they they moved him into the outfield and instructional league. I, from the people I talked to, and granted, we're only talking about a few people, but I talked to several people who saw him play center field in instructional league. From what I was hearing, it people seem confident that with some work in the off season, he can play center field. It's a game changer. I, it really is. If if that's if that's true. That's it. That's an absolute game changer, not just for Nick Senzel's value, but for what he can do for the Reds. Um, I mean, you know, when he was third base, I, you know, I always said he kind of reminded me, like, if I if I try and just imagine the, the the numbers he could put up. David Wright's the guy that always came to mind. You know, a guy who could hit you two ninety with twenty five home runs, fifty doubles, and steal you twenty bases, play good defense. I mean, that's what Nick Senzel is to me. And if you can get that guy that can play that in center field and not be just far and away the worst defensive center fielder in baseball, the, the value is, yeah, I mean. <laughs> then why wasn't he in Cincinnati last year? And why well, is he not going to be on the opening day roster in 2019? Well, I, I can't say that he won't be on the opening day roster in 2019. Uh, if, if you made me bet money, I would probably bet against it, but I wouldn't bet as, I wouldn't bet much money on it either. But I, I think that they'll, quote-unquote, have a reason well, they got a built-in to, reason. They're going to teach him center field. He needs some game time. Yeah, and it's it's going to be like uh, you know when when Chris Bryant needed to learn how to play third base exactly. for eleven days, and then somehow magically he figured it out in that time, and then they call him up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's that that's kind of the only way that I could see him not making the the opening day roster. I, I think there's just too many ways the Reds could use him. Um, but. I know it's smart from a money perspective not to have him on the opening day roster, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell our listeners that around opening day next year, I'm going to be completely insufferable complaining about the fact that one of, he's no doubt one of the 25 best players in this organization, and he's not going to be on the opening day roster. And that'll be a very valid criticism. I mean, I don't think there's any, any argument against it. All right. Well, that's your top 25. Nick Senzel at number one. I think we all agree with that. Uh, Doug, any final thoughts on the top 25 list before we go into one viewer mail question? Oh, boy. I think I should probably talk for a while if it's a viewer <laughs> question. I think it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, you know, there have been a few studies that have come out over the past couple of years that just kind of – they try and put a, a dollar value on a certain level of prospect. And Fangraphs came out with um, a, a, an updated version of one that they they'd had in the past. And, you know, it, it – said that the red system currently is the sixth best system in, in minor league baseball right now. And I, that, that sounds about right. You know, the reds have that high end talent, but they've got some depth too. Um, nobody's going to be confusing them with say, you know, San Diego's system, which is just insanely stacked right now. But the reds have a very strong farm system right now. Um, and there, there's a lot of pieces to like, so Hopefully, we'll see. I mean, I'm looking at the you know the top ten right now, and I, th- I think we'll probably see at least two of those guys in the big leagues next year, if not more. I mean, there's what one, two, four guys on the 40-man roster right now. So, I mean, if nothing else, we'll probably see them at some point. Um, but 
I, I think there's some actual guys there that can help next year. Um, I mean, obviously Nick Senzel, but you know, a guy like Tony Santion, I, I think that it, at some point in the second half, if he does what we think he's going to do, they're going to have to call him up. And what role, who knows? Because that that just all depends on, you know, who's doing what in the rotation. But um, I, I think there's some guys that we could see next year that that really could make a difference. Absolutely, and we're looking for guys that can make a difference because uh, the last four years have been bad. How about some yeah. viewer mail, Doug Gray? Viewer mail, let's do it. You, you agree with the, the uh, wait, my, my wait. decision viewer? to name this viewer mail, right? Viewer mail? No, I don't. Uh, that means he's watching us. You don't. You, are you disagreeing with my executive decision? Not anymore. I'm not. It's your show. To title it's this, your show. Viewer mail. All right. Well, you're probably right, but let's go ahead and uh, we're, we got a bunch of questions this week. Thanks to all of you that wrote in. We can't get to all of them because we went a little bit long on the uh, on the top 25 list. But uh, email me chad dotson at redlegnation dot com. We will try to answer as many as we can. And those of you that have, that have uh, already sent questions in, we'll try to get to some of those next week if possible. Today's question for viewer mail comes from Philip Razor. You know this guy. I, I do know Phil, yes. Yeah, he's a mess on Twitter.com. <laughs> I'm not sure it's just on Twitter.com. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Here's Philip's question. Dear Chadwick Ulysses Doubleday Dotson, I don't know what that means, <laughs> no, Noah Sindergaard, Mets pitcher, might be available for trade. Would you make the mistake of trading Nick Senzel for him like Red Ignition's very own Douglas Gray? Uh, while I would obviously love to get Thor... It's my opinion that the risk-reward of moving Sinzel for him, or along with whatever else it would take, doesn't make sense in the long term due to Thor's risk of injury. Would anyone be shocked if a month into the season he blew his arm out? If a package featuring Green or Trammell wouldn't get it done, I'd pass. I'd pass. What say you, your friend and mine, Philip Scott Razor? See, now he didn't realize that you would be on the podcast uh, to answer this question. So what do you think? Noah Syndergaard, Nick Senzel? In a, in a one-for-one deal, I think I'd have to pull the trigger on that. I Now, I, there, there, is a, there is a little asterisk to this. Assuming that I'm the general manager or president of baseball operations or whoever gets the final say on this, I also need to understand that I'm going to be making moves B, C, and D along with this acquisition. If that's going to be the only move I make, then I'm not making it, because it's not going to make a difference. I mean, it'll make a little bit of a difference, but it's not going to be one that's going to be worth what you're getting back, because the Reds need way more talent than just Noah Syndergaard. Um, assuming the things that we've heard this offseason are true, that the Reds have roughly $30 million to spend in free agency or in paying a new acquisition of some kind, then, yes, I'm making that move. Because yes. I believe that you can go out and you can get another very high quality starting pitcher, whether it's somebody on the free agent market or whether you know if you, if you're going to go get Noah Syndergaard, that's a signal that the Reds are going for it. Whether you want to believe that they should or not is a completely different story. But if you're going to get Syndergaard, then you do need to go for it, and you need to go for it 2019. So at that point, maybe you take you know a Hunter Green or a Taylor Trammell and you package them with a Jonathan Dia, and you go out and you get another high-quality starting pitcher. Then you've got two-fifths two of your starting rotation that there aren't questions about those guys. They're, you're you're going to have two high-end starting pitchers to go one-two. And then you get to sort out the rest. Yeah. You're, and, you know, when you've got what the Reds have to sort out for the final three spots of your rotation, 
you look a lot better. Because not only is your rotation going to be a lot better, your bullpen's going to be a lot better too. Because some of those guys that didn't win the starter spots, they're going to get pushed into the bullpen. And they're probably going to be pretty good out of the bullpen. Yeah. And that's going to push guys out of the bullpen that weren't going to be that good. Every It's just a trickle-down effect. And, you know, hey, if you're making two trade acquisitions or one trade acquisition, and it's going to be a guy like Senegard who doesn't make free agent money, maybe you can go out and you can buy yourself a center fielder for two years. Maybe you can buy a center fielder for three years. Maybe you don't need to, but you can, you, you'll have extra money to go out and get something else. And I, I think the long-term play there, it makes sense if you can do it just for Nick Senzel. For as much as I like Nick Senzel, the only way the Reds are going to acquire somebody like Noah Syndergaard is going to be through a trade. Because they're never going to be able to afford that guy on the free agent market because a guy like Syndergaard is going to get $30-plus million. You know, I, as much as I hate to agree with you, Doug, I agree with you. I'm sorry, Philip. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, I would Syndergaard, he's going to be 26 next year. He's under team control through 2022. Uh, you know, I I think you absolutely pull the trigger. I would even say Sinzel plus some other piece. When I say some other piece, I say someone that's probably not in your top ten on your list. But uh, I would I would I would make that deal. He's in our team control for the next three years. He is a, a guy that's a legit top of the rotation guy, and it does indicate the Reds are really going for it. And it doesn't have anything to do with Nixon Zell. We love Nixon Zell. If Nixon Zell's a Red for the next fifteen years, I'm happy. But yeah, I agree. I go for that, and I go for it today. If that's out there, and we don't know that it's out there, but Philip, as always, you're wrong. <laughs> Doug, anything else you want to say before we uh, put a wrap on this uh, edition of Red Leg Nation Radio? I, I'm good, Chad. We 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 covered a whole lot, and we got to make fun of Phil, so it's I'm always, I'm good. Always a good time. Uh, thank you for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio. We are uh, here every single week, publishing every Friday, and occasionally even uh, a podcast in between. Uh, I'm Chad Dotson. You can follow me at on Twitter at Dotson C. He's Doug Gray at Doug Dirt Twenty Four. Uh, re- you can read Doug at RedsMinorLeagues.com and at RedLegNation.com every single week. And of course, we've been following the Reds at RedLegNation.com every week since, or every day basically since 2005. You can follow Red Leg Nation at Red Leg, Red Leg Nation on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Red Leg Radio on Twitter. Subscribe to us, iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. We're there. I ask you every week. It really helps us if you go leave us a five-star review, especially at iTunes. And, uh, and you know what? If you leave a really uh, a good review, a funny review, we may feature it on the on a, as long as it's a five-star review on a future episode of the podcast. Doug... Thank you so much for uh, for talking to us again. I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. I hope so, Chad. I hope so. It was fun. It was fun for Doug Gray and Philip Razor. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.